This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard, hope you are well today. One day closer to college football, kids. You know, it's like we had such a great time last week. Let's do it again, right? Uh, home game this weekend, 6.30 kick. SEC Network will handle your TV broadcast if you can't be here. But listen, we need you here. And there's a lot of tickets out there that are being sold well below face value, which is weird to me. You know, we look forward to this all year. we got a Power 5 opponent coming in, and people are like, ah, I'm just going to wait and go to LSU. No, come on. Mississippi State needs you here. And listen, I've had some feedback about that. Some people are like, hey, Steve, I've had this and I've had that. Listen, I get it. I get it. Some of you have a reason not to come at times, and it's not to, to be considered an excuse, right? That said, if you're a ticket holder, I know you know somebody, whether it be in your church or in your neighborhood or somebody you work with, maybe they're not season ticket holders, that would love to bring their kids to a ball game. Let's get your tickets into the hands of people that want to come to games. And listen, I get it. I had a Twitter exchange this morning, and one of our Boneyard listeners, you know, says, hey, Steve, I'm a farmer. It's harvest time. Man, I absolutely get it. And I've said on this time on this show many times before, I come from an ag family. I understand. I love you guys for what you do. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I don't think you should ever choose between getting the crop in and Mississippi State football. And some of you were, and this particular gentleman was able to get it done and get it to the game. I appreciate your dedication, not only to Mississippi State football, but to farming. We are in ag school. We're going to have a lot of people involved in farming, and uh, they do a thankless job more times than not to clothe and feed the nation and don't always get enough uh, credit for that. So thank you for that. But uh, listen, if you're on the fence about coming, coming, because this Arizona team has improved, we're going to break them down in length on Friday. But I tell you, I've watched that UNA-Arizona game twice now. They're a better team than they were last year. I still think they're going to be fortunate to get to a bowl game because of the way their schedule's laid out. It's a tough schedule. It really is. And you know the whole thing last year, the hangover we had, right? Remember, we, we flew to Arizona, won the ball game. We had so much trouble getting back. It was ridiculous. And uh, then we had to go on the road and play LSU, and we kind of slept, walked through that deal. Still had the lead in the fourth quarter. Still should have won the game. But all that said, uh, it's a different dynamic, man, when you got to come all the way across the country. And as unique and special as it is for us to have a chance to go play in some venues that we probably never will again – in our lifetimes, because chances are, if we ever see Arizona again, it's going to be in a bowl game, right? I mean, we're not going to reschedule them, especially if the Power Five mandate goes away. So this is, you know, maybe the only time that you ever get to see Arizona play at Davis Wade Stadium. And I'll be honest with you, I've had some interactions with them over at Wildcat Authority. That's a 247 Sports uh, website about Arizona. And I tell you, Jason Shear, man, he's an old scout.com guy like me. Man, we, Jason and I have been around, you know, for years. Um, 
And Jason does such a great job over there. I had some really good interactions with their fans, and there's a good number of those that are coming to the game. You know, want to know where to park and where to eat and things like that. And we're always happy to do that. I think that's one of the best things about being with a network is you know, I can go over there and I can ask questions or I can answer questions and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, so if you are a 247 Sports subscriber, uh, maybe go over there and look at the content Jason Shear and those guys are putting together for you. And uh, maybe, you know, welcome those Arizona Wildcat fans to Starkville. And, of course, we want to beat them. But at the same time, too, this is a friendly competition. And, um, you know, they're not a land-grant school like we are. I guess Arizona State's really more like uh, our kissing cousins of the Southwest. But all that said, I've had a good week uh, with the Arizona fans, uh, you know, with rare exception. There's one guy on there that's kind of been difficult. And uh, everybody else is like, oh, Steve, don't mind him. We don't really claim him. But uh, either way, I admire people's passion for their team. Uh, no matter who they cheer for, right? I mean, it's like e- even if their institution has done something over the years that, uh, I don't know, bothers me, I don't think a lot of it. I don't. There's a lot of that that doesn't trickle down to the fans, in my estimation. Maybe you see it differently. But uh, yeah, I guess there's one school in particular that uh, I think the fans are very much indicative of the institution just up the road there off Highway 6. You know the place. Uh, real quickly here, too, looking at a couple of other things. If you're going to be in town this weekend, uh, Friday afternoon, I hadn't seen an official start time yet. We're going to have a baseball scrimmage that is free to attend at Davis, excuse me, at Duty Noble Field. We couldn't play at Davis White. I guess we could. but uh, So, scrimmage Friday and Sunday. The same arrangement next week. So, if you're going to be here all weekend, get here early, go to the baseball scrimmage, go to dinner, enjoy the ball game Saturday. And then there's another baseball scrimmage on Sunday. So if you're in town or in the area, you can get more than your fill of Bulldog Athletics uh, this weekend and get your first look at the new Diamond Dogs. Uh, also of note, too, they have begun to uh, announce some of the non-conference schedule for the Mississippi State men's basketball. And let me get you up to date real quick on this, and then we'll get into some uh, some other stuff. There's a, there's a couple of topics kind of making their way around Al Gore's internet that I want to chime in on. Uh, the first one, we're going to be back in the Barstool Sports Invitational in Chicago, Illinois, against Arizona State. So, Wildcats, we got you there. We'll take care of that. Uh, thanks to Brandon Walker, my friend. I'm sure Brandon probably had a say in this. Uh, but a cool thing, too, for our Bulldog fans that live in the Midwest, and so many other people, too, may say, you know what, Steve, it's worth going up there uh, taking that trip against a uh, Power 5 opponent. But that's Arizona State on November the 8th. It's a Wednesday. Got to take off work and go to that. November 11th, the following Saturday, we'll have UT Martin here in Stark Vegas. Three days later on Tuesday will be North Alabama. That should be a dub. And then the, that following weekend, we will be in the uh, Hall of Fame Classic in Uncasville, Connecticut, back up in the Northeast. We'll get Washington State that Saturday, and then we'll turn around on Sunday and play either Northwestern or URI. So uh, that's what's been released so far on the non-conference slate. I guess it's not true. i got a few other things here. Um, yeah, there's a few other things here. My apologies will be the ACC-SEC Challenge November 28th against Atlanta, Georgia. We'll have Southern in the hump on uh, December the 3rd. That's Southern U, not Southern Miss. Holiday Hoops Giving, December 9th in Atlanta, Georgia. That'll be a cool trip, right? I mean, it's just four hours over there. That's 10.30 in the morning, so you can go over Friday night, maybe go take in a show. What is it, the Tabernacle over there? 
and then uh, knock out the game and get back at a decent hour. Cost you one night. Murray State uh, that Wednesday in Stark Vegas and North Texas in Tupelo. That's going to be in the Bancor South Arena. And then Rutgers. Rutgers in Newark, New Jersey in the Gotham Classic. And so, yeah, we've got some non-conference dates that are out there. And uh, uh, Paul Jones and our guys are kind of keeping up with that. But, yeah, some new announcements. Just want to make sure that you guys are aware of that. It's, it's about time to start thinking about that. I know we're football season just kicked off, but you know what a great year we had last year uh, in men's and women's basketball and looking to build upon that this year. And so uh, look forward to that. We want to see you in Humphrey Coliseum. And, and listen, here's the deal. No matter the sport, I can tell you without reservation, when you go see the Bulldogs play on the road, it is very special to them. You know, we expect a, bit, a lot of cowbells and football games here. We don't get to use them on the road. But it means a lot to your players, whether it be softball, baseball, volleyball, whatever. When the Bulldogs come to your neck of the woods – Please get out and go support them. Please do. It, it matters to them. I, I can promise you that. It matters to them. I hear it all the time uh, from our players about what it means to them. I know on the baseball side of things, uh, our baseball parents are always so incredibly appreciative for anybody to show up wearing an M over S uh, hat. It's the same thing in basketball. Uh, you know, we've had some coaches in the past that talk about you know, we've got some very, very, very loyal men's basketball fans that will travel all over to go watch us play. Uh, so let's turn out again and support the Bulldogs on every field of play and court. Uh, speaking of people that support the Bulldogs, uh, and they do it by feeding us so incredibly well, it's Bulldog Burger Company. Next time you're in town or you're in Jackson or in Tupelo, you go by to one of their great locations. Uh, University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by, have the spring rolls as your appetizer. Make you and everybody around you better looking. Uh, I went and ate the Sloppy Joe sliders, I guess it was Sunday night, before the LSU game. And uh, my son, Ian, is now a server, and I've already started getting some rave reviews uh, from some of you. So uh, really, really appreciate the fact that he's able to work for such a class organization. And, and here's the thing, too, because I have an insider's view, right, because I got a man on the inside, I can tell you, they do things right at Bulldog Burger Company. It's not a secret that they're successful. They just do things the right way. They take care of their employees. They value their customers. And there's so many businesses today, and I, I'm going to tell you this. I'm not going to mention the name of the business because I want to embarrass them. There was a business in town that uh, I went through a drive through a year ago of a national chain, and I was treated poorly, poorly. And the people even use profanity. Well, it's been like a year or more. And sometimes I'll eat at this place on the road uh, when I'm traveling. But I went that same franchise, same national chain. But I went through there yesterday and I said, oh, yeah, I'm kind of craving this. I'll give it another shot. Same thing, man. Same thing. Bad service. Bad service. Everybody's just joking around. It's just not any good, you know. And, uh, you know, there's a reason people don't frequent that business. And the sad thing about that is it's probably a Bulldog ownership group there that's paid somebody to manage that location and uh, probably wonder why things aren't better. Well, I'll tell you why you got a manager problem. That's not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. It's well managed. It's a great experience when you go. I've never had a negative experience there. I've been going for years. I was going there long before they were sponsoring the show. So go by. Get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. Get that BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may want it fried. Either way, you're going to get more than you pay for at Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right. 
Now, some people are going to whine about this first segment of the show. And that's okay. And it's not going to be Mississippi State people that whine. I mean, there may be a few. There may be a few Steve Robertson haters that uh, listen to the show. You know, it kind of reminds me of the, not that I'm a shock jock, but like the, the whole thing when they had the uh, Arbitron survey on private parts about Howard Stern. It's like, what's the number one reason people listen? I want to hear what he's going to say next. And then people that hate him, they listen to him. Why? Because I want to hear what he's going to say next. There are some people who are going to listen to the show just to hear what I'm going to say next. And maybe they don't even like me. That's okay. But thanks for listening. But I want to talk about uh, this big scoop. Uh, Stingray. Remember Stingray? A lot of people, you know, really, really kind of crueled off Stingray over the years. I mean, he's always been nice to me. And, uh, you know, he was all the Palm Fine Bomb show. And they kind of exploited the kid and, um, you know, kind of made fun of him at his own expense. And I don't think he realized it. And uh, then he went on Tosh.0. They kind of did the same thing. They were kind of making fun of him. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't like that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? It's like if I do or say something stupid, you want to roast me for that? Okay, fine. Um, in case you haven't noticed, I'm not a guy that really cares about what people think about my appearance. But there are other people out there that do, and they're very sensitive about that. And uh, I don't support that at all. Uh, you don't hear me making fad jokes. And, and um, I, I tell you this, you know, my buddy Brian Haydad has dropped a lot of LBs, and I pulled him aside a couple days ago. And I said, Brian, listen, I want to tell you, man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You're taking charge here. I want you to be here for your wife, for your girls. I love Brian. And I, I, I wouldn't have said that 15 years ago. But Brian's my friend, right? And uh, there have been some times in the past that maybe somebody will make a little comment about his weight in the media room. And I'm like, hey, no, we're not doing that. No, that's not, we're not doing that. Now, Brian can give as well as he can take, right? Um, but there are a lot of people out there that aren't as beautiful as me and you, right? Um and so I think that's the, that's the most obscene, low-hanging fruit. It's like it basically is a reflection of your, your intelligence when you can't beat somebody in the debate, so you resort to being critical of their, their personal appearance. Does that make sense? Right? Because here's the thing, too. None of us are responsible for being beautiful. Of course, we're all, you know, we have responsibility to take care of ourselves. But... Uh, yeah, I remember when that whole Civil Shepherd ad came out years ago because I'm from the 1900s and people watch commercials on TV. And they, she said, people tell me I'm beautiful. And I say, thank you, but thank my mom and dad. You know, we have no say in that. And I said, there are a lot of people, I want to take pride in who I am or what I am. Uh, you, you, that's the thing I've learned about life is you can't be whatever you want to be. No matter what your teachers tell you or your parents, you cannot be whatever you want to be. There, everybody has limitations, but you can be whoever you want to be. That's the truth. You can be a good person. And This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, I'm a big proponent of that. But, uh, but anyway, uh, off the soapbox, uh, Stingray, you know, has a radio show out of uh, Tuscaloosa. And I'm on there from time to time. I'm uh, with Tide uh, 105.9 or whatever it is. But anyway, they, they have me on as, as a guest sometimes. They had Dan Mullen on, 
And uh, Moen revealed on the show that he's going to be doing uh, color commentating for the Battle for the Golden Egg this year on Thanksgiving. And these, oh my gosh, Ole Miss people lost their minds. I think, my gosh, why are you so delicate? You know, we've had Deuce McAllister call our games before, and to be honest with you, I thought Deuce did a pretty good job. You know, especially for an Ole Miss guy. I don't mean that in a negative way. This is a guy that chose the other school, played hard against us for four years, and obviously there's going to be an inherent bias. But when Deuce has done color commentating for us, I thought, hey, pretty good, you know, right? Uh, I don't think we're quite that sensitive. And listen, I, I, don't, I don't like the intermingling of the Ole Miss-Mississippi State experience a lot of times. Like, I really don't. Like, uh, you know, Richard Cross, uh, another example. You know, Richard says some things on their show. I don't listen, but sometimes people will, will put stuff on the, on the message board. He says some things I don't agree with. But when he has commentated our men's and women's basketball games, I thought he's done pretty well. And there were a couple times, of course, you know, we, we may win a game. I think he's expecting us to lose, and he kind of falls quiet, and that's okay too. But I think, by and large, he's done a pretty good job. You know, um, again, he and I are not ever going to see everything the same way. But I think, like, when we had our women's basketball program rolling a couple years ago and uh, Richard would do the color or the play-by-play, I thought he did good. I couldn't tell he was an old Miss guy. And uh, that in and itself is an accomplishment, right? Um, but so now all of a sudden, Dan is kind of connected to this and like, oh, well, we got a boycott. F- fine, I don't care if you watch a game. Don't watch it. And somebody says, well, there's got to be an alternate feed. This is so disrespectful. Well, you know, ESPN's bought the, the broadcast rights to that game, so uh, I think you're probably in trouble unless you just want to sync up your radio feed and listen to David Kellum. Uh, which is certainly, you're right, you got technology to do it. Matter of fact, uh, there are like apps out there that you can download that allow you to sync up your radio broadcast with a TV broadcast. Uh, for years and years and years, I would rather have listened to Jack Crystal than anybody, right? But it's so funny, too. They're like, oh, well, when Dan Mullen was here, you know, he ratcheted up the rivalry to a point that it was toxic. And so what you're really telling me is you don't know anything about the rivalry. That's what you're telling me. And it also shows how self-serving and sensitive you are. So I'm, I'm going to just kind of point a few things out here. Uh, you guys may recall this. If, if you've read Stark Villains, and I hope you have. If you haven't, there are still some limited quantities available. Matter of fact, I was at Book Martin Cafe yesterday, downtown Starkville, and uh, they've got about a case left. And that's once that's gone, that's it. Um, there's a few left in the warehouse from the publisher, but that's it. But uh, Stark Villains, you know, 1905... We played Ole Miss and Jackson for the very first time. And maybe you knew that. And legend has it that every Mississippi State student went to the game. We were Mississippi A&M back then. We were the, uh, you know, the Aggies. And they boarded a train and went down there. And uh, it's detailed in the book. Some of those kids had never been on a train before, and they stuck their head out the window, and they lost their, uh, their caps. They were surprised. They didn't know anything. They were just small-town country kids doing something big for the first time. Many of them had never even been to Jackson, Mississippi before. You know, I was when, you know, when I was a kid growing up, you know, poor in South Mississippi, you know, anything beyond Jackson was like a foreign country, you know. And so these kids are going to Jackson for the first time, and we didn't have stands back then. And we're playing at the fairgrounds. And so the, our fans are on the same side of the field as our team. Like, they're on the sidelines. You know, slapping backs and talking trash. And one time they had to stop the game because we were beating Ole Miss. And uh, the, Ole Miss's football coach, I believe, resigned like six weeks before the season. 
They ended up only playing two games that year against us and UT Chattanooga. Didn't score any one of them. And so as the game's going on, our fans are like on the field talking trash. And there's all kind of craziness. They stop the game, clear the field. After the game is over, the, uh, the Aggie cadets conducted a full military funeral parade down Capitol Street in honor of the death of the Ole Miss athletic spirit. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Flash forward to 1926, you know, we had beaten Ole Miss several years in a row, and they finally get a win, and they decide to tear down our goalpost, and uh, a riot breaks out. And not only did they try to tear down the goalpost, they did, they tried to take them with them, and our our students would not allow that to happen. And uh, the way the reflector talked about it, you know, it's just such incredibly disrespect, you know. Uh, you know, go back, I guess, to uh, 97 when Wes Shivers was a recruit deciding between Mississippi State and Ole Miss out of Heinz Community College. Big 6'7 guy. Uh, Wes also was, uh, appeared in, in uh, one of my books, Alpha Dogs. Wes also was on The Ultimate Fighter, you know. Um, but then, you know, Wes is hit in the head by a helmet by an Ole Miss player, a very prominent player. Needless to say, he went to Mississippi State instead of Ole Miss. But it's so funny. It's only like they only label it toxic when we win. And, of course, they had their uh, carpetbagger shill, uh, Hugh Kellenberger, kind of write that column about the rivalry is just too toxic. Well, why is it never toxic when they win? It's only when we win that it's a problem. You think Dan Mullen ratcheted up? You know, what, do you, what do you think about the Billy Brewer years? Right? When you would take official visitors to strip clubs in Memphis, I guess it's good work if you can get it. But wonder what that did for the rivalry. What about toward the end of the Jackie Sherrill era when uh, there were private investigators trying to uh, drum up dirt on Sherrill because all he'd done is win, right? And they're following our coaches around digging through our coaches' trash, trying to find anything they could to try to uh, find NCAA investigations. Do you think that helped the feelings of the rivalry? I suspect probably not. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. Do you think it, you know, it helped the rivalry, you know, when uh, – you know, we had uh, you know, Ole Miss players, signees that were going to take the ACT at Wayne County High School uh, with a young lady that was uh, mentioned prominently and accused of malfeasance by the NCAA as it came to the, the administration of that test. Do you think that helped the rivalry? Do you think it helped when we had out-of-state players uh, you know, being housed and provided transportation? to attend the Ed Center, a, a place that was set up for uh, Mississippi students. Do you think that helped things? Do you think do you think that helped our feelings a little bit? You know, I'm going to assure you that it did not. Do you think it helped the rivalry when they absolutely criticized anybody who questioned Hugh Freeze? Anybody. And this isn't even really about Freeze. It's about their insulation of him. And how they treated all of us. God forbid anybody ever say anything, you know, about St. Hugh. And how dare you say that? You're anti-Christian. You're this, you're that, you're this, you know. Um, and so they beat everybody down, and then they were wrong. 
Do you think that helped things? You're going to sit here and try to insult our intelligence? Not to mention, you know, Ross Bjork and those guys. I mean, you, listen, I get, I understand they get their marching orders, but the whole thing about, well, you know, we can't wait to tell our story and what a story it was. Yeah. It's true. And then, of course, you had the in-state media that were complicit in the cover-up, and I had a discussion with a, uh, an editor-in-chief with a prominent newspaper within the Magnolia State um, that was kind of sick and tired of getting browbeat by our, my followers on Twitter. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, what's the deal here? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you guys are completely incompetent or you're complicit in the cover-up, and I am comfortable with whatever hats you want to wear. But this information was out there for everybody. It's true. I even offered to give it to him. I remember with, with Two Blow Daily Journal, I remember John Pitts, who I think is a great guy. Pitts is like, you know, on Twitter, he engages me. He's like, well, what would you have us do? I gave him 10 things to do. I said, here's what I would do. Matter of fact, I'll, I said, we can discuss it over lunch. I'll leave right now. And I'm not going to excuse any of that lack of coverage, but the reality of it is, is that, you know, Ole Miss had some advertisers that, uh, you know, hey, newspapers are dying industry. And like, hey, you, you, you go after this thing here, uh, we'll just pull our advertising. I don't think they would have. But they tried to bully people around. What, what did that do? You know, you try to shape the narrative. And you push people off their journalistic responsibility. You hold them hostage. Wonder what that did for the rivalry. Not to mention the Clarion Ledger for all intents and purposes throughout my lifetime has just basically been a rag for Ole Miss. It's true, all the way back to the Hederman family. It's true. You can say what you want. It's absolutely true. When Jackie Sherrill was under an NCAA investigation, which he was exonerated in, I'll also point out to you, uh, the Clarion Ledger and uh, Rusty Hampton and those guys, they couldn't write a practice report without mentioning that we were under NCAA investigation. It's true. Not to mention, you know, not to make the story about me, but do you think it was toxic when I had to talk to the FBI because Ole Miss fans were making death threats to me on social media and on message boards? You think that helped the rivalry a little bit? Do you think it, do you think it slowed me down when you tried to get my wife fired at the hospital? Was that not toxic? Was it toxic? When I had people attacking my daughters, my high school age daughters, on social media, grown men, was that not toxic? I mean, I'm asking, you know, because apparently I'm an idiot. But I tell you this, and you can take this to the bank. You come after my wife and my children, it's no longer about Mississippi State and Ole Miss. It's about me and you. And I'm going to win that one. You better believe that. I've proven that. And there are a lot of your friends that used to be your social media friends that have all come up missing. That's not a coincidence. It's not. You, come, you say what you want to about me. You come after my wife, my kids. I'm going to get you. I'm just telling you right now. Then you say, well, Steve's making all these threats on the podcast. No, I'm not. I don't make threats. I make promises. It's one thing to be on opposite ends of this thing of a football game. Okay, that's fine. It's another thing when you want to drag somebody else's family into it. You can hate me all you want. You know, my wife, my boys, my girls never did anything to any of you people. But you couldn't get to me, so you wanted to go to them. That's a definition of being toxic. 
that you're upset about losing a recruit. You're upset about your false narrative being exposed in the light of day. You're upset because the truth was known. You're upset because Steve Robertson pulled Colonel Reb's pants down in front of the world and everybody could see that things weren't as grand as you all made them out to be. And because you couldn't get to me, you went after my family. But Dan Mullen is toxic? You kidding me? Dan is toxic? Because Mullen had the gall to say, you know, our domination of the school up north, that's toxic? You kidding me? Where do we get off here? You know, those are the things that I just begin to think about, you know, within the rivalry itself. Guys, it has been, this rivalry has been toxic from the very beginning. The matter of fact, the very first chapter of Stark Villains is entitled Contentious from the Beginning. Uh, the Ole Miss educated legislature at the time fought against the very creation of Mississippi State. It's true. At that point, Ole Miss, you know, of course, the first institute of higher learning uh, in the state of Mississippi, so everybody that couldn't litigate law went to work in the legislature, right? And so we had no shot. We had no Mississippi State-educated people then. And we had to fight and scratch and claw against the landed gentry of this state, the bourgeoisie of Mississippi, to even have a school to send our kids to to get educated. They fought against the very establishment of your university from the beginning. Forget the football stuff. Forget baseball. Forget social media. They didn't even want you to exist. And you may remember the Moral Land Grant. Maybe you learned about that in school, the Moral Land Grant, part of post-Civil War Reconstruction. Federal government set aside funds to establish land-grant institutions to allow for uh, you know, to teach farmers' kids how to uh, farm more efficiently, right? Which is the betterment of our country. Kind of going back to our open segment, right? And so the moral land-grant money initially went to Ole Miss because they were the institution in Mississippi. And then all of a sudden, the farmers' kids show up at Ole Miss to learn and to be better farmers and to learn how to work with their hands and to advance this state and they were treated like second-class citizens. There were letters. They were written. We didn't want our kids going to school with those kids. Your kids. Your grandfathers. Your great-grandfathers. Didn't even want them going to school with their kids. Not because of who they were. Because of what they were. And so when I hear all this talk about, oh, things are so toxic and so bad, guys, it, it, before there was even a university, there was this division within the state of Mississippi between different pockets of the population. There was always this, we're not snobs, we're just better than you. Now you just print t-shirts. It was always like that. And so this kind of predates any talk of football. It's been passed down from generation to generation. People are like, well, you know, I've got some old Miss friends too. Cool, fine. That's fine. Absolutely fine. Matter of fact, my wife comes from an old Miss family. I guess she's the black sheep. I'm happy to have her. I can tell you that. 
Matter of fact, her uncle played offensive line at Ole Miss, and that's really how they became Ole Miss people, right? I mean, they they just grew up. They were just good, you know, South Mississippi folks. He had an opportunity to go play at Ole Miss, and he went. And to this day, he is a staunch Ole Miss Rebel. And, of course, it strained the relationship a little bit. It did, but it's so funny. I go to a family reunion, and, you know, there's uh, you know my wife's father and, and uh, her uncle's all wearing their Ole Miss hats want to get a picture made with me. You know, they thought it was funny. It is funny. That's not toxic. It's not. And so I get sick and tired of hearing about all this stuff, about, oh, it's worse than it's ever been in my lifetime. You're an idiot. You're an absolute, unadulterated idiot with no sense of history, if that's what you believe. Dan Mullen can't call a ball game. He's, and it's not like it's a special event. He's going to be doing it every Thursday night. It just so happens the battle for the Golden Egg is on Thanksgiving this year, which is a Thursday. But let's make it about you. Oh, well, we need to do this. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. It's so ridiculous to me. You know, it's like the thing that I go back to, and we're going to move on from this because i got to get the rest of the show. The bottom line is this, is that uh, there are a lot of people in this state that claim allegiance to the Ole Miss family, whether they attended school or not, that their attitude is this. When they're done talking, they want us to shut up too. And I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. I didn't raise my kids to be that way. It's, uh, it's not an Ole Miss anti-rhetoric deal. But we're going to stand up for what we believe. And I think I taught my children a valuable lesson. When I had the machine come after me, right, you'll never understand ever how exhilarating it was to be vindicated in the end. You'll never understand that. And I, I suspect I'll never experience anything like that again the rest of my life. Probably never have the evidence of the biggest scandal in the history of Mississippi College athletics. And to be honest with you, I hope I never do. I hope none of us within this state ever go through anything like that ever again. But you better believe this. If I get evidence of it again, I'm going to report it. And the thing about it is, is I'm bigger and stronger and, and, uh, and really don't care as much as I did before. I won't be nearly as – I won't pull nearly as many punches the next go-around, right? Uh, I am not the guy that's going to be intimidated. I'm not going to be bullied. And I remember that day when I went before the State, State Ethics Commission, and I, I get emotional thinking about this, man. Because my dad, you know, made us all bulldogs. And uh, I had to go all the way to Jackson and sit there in that ethics commission hearing. And I remember before I was so nervous, I was about to vomit the whole way down there. Because I was like, I'm really out of my lane here. You know, this is not this is not me. Have I gone too far? And the truth of the matter is, is I was tired of being a coward about all this stuff. And I was so tired every single time I'd get so frustrated when somebody within the Mississippi State family would have credible information, it's like, well, I don't want to do anything with this because I don't want to deal with the blowback. And I said, you know what, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be the guy I look back one day in my life and say, you know what, I had this, I didn't do anything with it. I didn't write the big story. I didn't chase the big story. I have a platform. Other people have a furniture store or something, you know. And they're like, you know what, Steve, i got to sell furniture to everybody. I can't be caught up in the middle of all this. i got a car dealership. i got a restaurant. I want, I want to be able to serve to everybody. I get it. I understand it. My situation's much different. I got a platform that only appeals to Mississippi State people, right? So in many respects, I was a perfect guy for that. But I remember when I got out and I passed the federal building in downtown Jackson. My dad worked there. 
when he worked for Farmers Home Administration, which became rural development. And all of a sudden, I could just feel that my dad was with me. So I go on that Ethics Commission hearing, and we win. And it wasn't just me. It was my name on the complaint, but we won. I just happened to be your, uh, you know, your representative. We won. Then we get appealed to the Hines County Chancery Court. We actually have an Ole Miss judge there. And uh, to his credit, I wish I remembered his name, uh, he went and abided by the law. And it's a thing that I, I learned as I went through and navigated through this process is that the people in charge of enforcing the law in Mississippi put aside their college football allegiances and did what was right and were criticized by some within the Ole Miss community for simply following the law. And it went all the way to the, to the state Supreme Court. And the truth of the matter is, guys, we would have gone all the way to the United States Supreme Court if that's what it took. I was like, well, we've come this far. You know, we're not going to back away from this. You know, I had people from around the country, Bulldog fans, said, hey, Steve, whatever your legal expenses are, we'll pay them, Right. I had people all over the country who was like, you know what, we believe in what you're doing. Thankfully, I didn't have to take any money from anybody. And we won again. And we changed the way the law in Mississippi is interpreted as it relates to how universities that are funded by state tax dollars can withhold and hide information from public purview. I think it's a pretty big deal. It is. And, of course, that led to so much. Um, so you don't want to like me, that's cool. I'll still find a way to go to sleep every night. You know, that's hundred percent fine with me, but I tell you this, there's not a Mississippi state fan in this world, whether they like me personally or not, will ever look back at that and say, you know what, Steve did the wrong thing. I did the right thing. Despite the fact, assuming people were in my face about it, I even had some of my own people in the media, my own friends and peers, said, Steve, leave this alone. And I said, No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let it go. Because that's what's happened over and over and over again. It gets let go, it gets covered up, it gets hidden, it gets forgotten. I have had people within the Mississippi State Administration tell me, Steve, this is probably not a good thing. I said, here's the thing. If you're worried about them uh, you know, coming back and retaliating because you've done something you shouldn't do, that's a you problem, not a me problem. And people said, you know what? Steve's got this kamikaze approach. But you know what? Somebody had to do it. And I'm glad it was me. But we paid a heavy price for it, for sure. And really my family, more so than me. And when your family hurts, that's the thing that makes you hurt, Right? And you look up one day, and I remember the day that we got the, I woke up, and I wrote about this in Flim Flam. I'd slept in. I'd been up literally late the night before uh, working and watching some TV. And uh, my wife had worked at the hospital that night. And uh, so I had no reason to go to bed, right? And I wake up in the morning, and the phone's going off. And uh, it's just one text after another. People are calling left and right, and there's these death threats out there. And uh, it feels kind of surreal when that happens. You think, ah, oh, there's nothing to this, you know. And I remember <laughs> my lawyer at the time calling me and said, you need to go to the sheriff's department right now and go do this. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. He said, Steve, this is a big deal. You need to go report this. At least make a report. Go do it. And then I had to get out when my wife gets up later 
I mean, after I went and made the report and I saw how seriously the sheriff's department was taking it, and I had to tell her, and the guy told me, because you need to tell your family, you need to make sure they're, they're aware of these threats. They made some very specific threats. And you got to go in there and tell your wife. And then you got to hear her cry and watch her cry. And say, I don't want anything to happen to you. Nothing's going to happen to me. These are just keyboard cowboys. Nothing's going to happen to me. But you truly never know. You truly never know. Because all it takes is one crazy person to do something stupid, trying to get some credibility or whatever. You never know what somebody else is dealing with in their life. Maybe their life is not the way they want it to be, and it's just their way of getting some kind of esteem. So don't ever, ever, ever tell me about this robbery being toxic. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair tells me yesterday, got to clear the clothes on another boneyard lawn. How about that, man? It's not just a, uh, you know, a sponsorship, man. It's like people are doing some things to make their lives better, right? Whether it be getting in a new home, refinancing the current home, whatever. Listen, it's a challenging economy out there right now, guys. It is. Blair Chandler's been doing this 22 years, man. He won't steer you wrong. I wouldn't do business with somebody that I thought wouldn't treat you right. Blair Chandler is my friend. I don't have friendships with people that don't act in an ethical way. I don't. I may have some acquaintances. I know some people that I know, but I wouldn't trust my mortgage to them, right? You could trust your mortgage to almost anybody, but just better off being with somebody that knows how to get things done. That's Blair Chandler. Visit him at closedblair.com. You know what you could do? Just between us, us kids here. Let me give you his personal cell number. Not a call center, not a receptionist, not his personal assistant. I'm going to give you Blair Chandler's phone number. 601-500-2344. Maybe one of the most important calls you make. When you get to be an adult, sometimes you need help making adult decisions. You need somebody that's been there and done it and seen it all. He works at Fairway Mortgage, a very reputable lender. Top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back-to-back years. I could not endorse Blair Chandler more than I already do. I want you to have some peace of mind at night. I want you to get the new home, get the second home. Whatever you need to do, Blair Chandler is the guy that can help you navigate through the labyrinth that often comes along with mortgage loan origination. Again, that's Blair Chandler, 601-500-2344. Okay, kids. Uh, you know, we did Music of Arizona when we played them last year. And I went back and pulled the list up, and I said, you know what? I really like that theme as we get into seasons, you know, and it was a good list. It was. I'm not going to repeat it, but, uh, you know, then we had some Michelle Branch stuff. I love Michelle Branch. I do. Uh, great music from her. Because if you want to, I can save you. I can. But I thought, let's do top 10 songs about Arizona. I know we've got some Arizona listeners today, too. Some people over on the uh, Arizona, on the Wildcat uh, website of ours. It said, hey, I'm going to listen to the podcast. I told him we'll touch on Arizona a little bit today. We'll really get into it after Friday. But here are top ten songs about the state of Arizona. A very, very eclectic list here, guys. We got some punk. We got some rap. We got some alternative rock. We got some country. We got some classic rock. 
a little bit of everything. And I'll tell you, my time in Arizona last year was great. And I've been through Arizona a couple times. And uh, it's been good. It has been. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in New Mexico. You know, I'm not a fan. Arizona's much different. And it's a long way from Albuquerque to Tucson, just so you know. Long way. Long way. But top ten songs about Arizona. A band that didn't make the list, because I don't know of any songs of theirs that are that are about the state of Arizona. I'm sure there are some. But my favorite song from Tucson, Arizona's own, The Super Suckers. You know where I'm going with this? Do you? Do you think you know? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. I'm not going to give you the, the name of the song. I'm just going to kind of, you know, I'm not going to sing it. I know you want me to. I'm not going to. But the Super Suckers had a great track called Pretty Something Up. And, uh, you know, it's about a guy and he's, you know, girls running around on him, you know. And he says, you know, I used to be strong. I used to be tough. She used to be pretty. Now she's pretty. You know what? <laughs> oh, it's great. I got turned on to that song by Danny, the bass player from Faster Pussycat. Uh, love Danny to death. And there are times when Danny will take the mic and he'll sing his ode to the Super Suckers. Again, a great band from Tulsa, excuse me, from Tucson, Arizona. All right, number 10, we're going to stick with punk a little bit here. We're going to get started with uh, a band that's uh, not from Tucson. It's a punk band, and I know, I know Coy Welburn's going to probably email me and say, Steve, yeah, I'm glad you included them, but here's like 50 songs that are better. But it's Authority Zero's Mesa Town. There's, you know, Mesa, right? Uh, number nine, The Kings of Leon. And uh, I've had some requests to do a top ten of The Kings of Leon. I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not as familiar with that catalog as I need to be to comfortably do a top ten. Of course, I know Use Somebody would be number one, and probably Sex on Fire is number two. But, uh, this great track, Arizona. I love the instrumentation on this. Great track, great vocal. I think you'll like everything about it. Number eight, a band that's kind of an acquired taste. If you're looking for vocal superiority, you're not going to find it with this band, Clutch. But man, what a cool band, what a cool vibe. They had a great track called The King of Arizona. That's your number eight song today on Top Ten. Number seven, we're going back to Tucson, and we're going to take a train to get there. And our buddy Bruce Springsteen is going to be the engineer to make sure we get there. That's right. Tucson Train from Bruce Springsteen came out, uh, I guess it was the uh, Western Skies album, or Western Stars album, here a few years ago. Uh, really a kind of a return to form in many respects for Bruce. And, uh, you know, he has an incredible uh, fan base. I know when we did a top ten Bruce Springsteen list, the reaction to that was uh, very split. A lot of people said, Steve, you did a great job, but you missed this deep track or whatever. Other people were like, Steve, you completely blew it. You shouldn't have used any of the singles. The better album, the better songs are deeper in the album. So I get it. But Bruce Springsteen, number seven, Tucson Train. Number six, guys, it's the uh, the great country balladeer that penned my, my first favorite song. It's a young man. It's Glenn Campbell. And if you know the Glenn Campbell catalog, you know where I'm going. It's by the time I get to, to Phoenix, it's a great track. It is. Glenn Campbell, man, I don't know that Glenn gets enough credit, to be honest with you. He's kind of a man's man. 
Number five, another song with a similar title. And uh, Arizona fans, please don't think I'm being critical of you because in our state, we've made some mistakes too, for sure. But there was a time that the uh, state of Arizona did not celebrate the Martin Luther King holiday. And they made a big deal about it. And they repealed it, I guess. They were like the only state in the union that weren't celebrating the MLK holiday. And uh, the great American poet laureate Chuck D penned the song, By the Time I Get to Arizona, it's basically a protest song, you know, um, about all that. And, of course, the good people of Arizona reversed the decision. Uh, the people said no. The people spoke. And power to the people of Arizona said, no, we're, we're, not, we're not participating in this. We're going to be like everybody else in the union. And we're going to celebrate uh, Martin Luther King Day. So no matter your feelings about that, uh, I think it was an important song when it happened because it seemed like it happened like overnight. Like once it was out there, it's like Chuck D and, and um, Flavor Flav went into the studio almost immediately and released this new song. It was pretty incredible how it all came together. Number four, I mentioned my friends in Faster Pussycat early on the show. One of my favorite songs, probably one of the most different songs in their catalog. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm a Faster Pussycat guy. Love them. In my estimation, they don't have a bad song. Probably one of my least favorite ones is probably Please Dear. I know I'm going to get hate mail for that. Um, but off that great album, Wake Me When It's Over, which to me is the best Faster Pussycat album. It's one that I can listen to in its entirety. Tucked away on the backside of that album... It's the Arizona Indian Doll. Absolutely love that thing, man. The piano, Tammy does a great job on it. It is unlike anything else that Faster Pussycat's ever done. And happy to get that on the list today. Matter of fact, it was kind of one of the driving forces to this list because I wanted you guys, if you don't know the song, you should know the song. Because she walked me to the teepee and she kissed me goodnight. Love it. All right, number three, and this is another hidden gem in a, a classic American rock band. American rock band, excuse me. It's Aerosmith, and this came from uh, you know one of their greatest hits compilation albums. It's a great track that I don't know that got the notoriety it deserved. And uh, it's about a touristy town, and uh, of course, northern Arizona, right there in Sedona. It's the Sedona Sunrise from Aerosmith. Uh, Sedona Sunrise, the title of the song. I really, really like this song. I don't understand why it wasn't a bigger hit. And I think a lot of it's because the music industry is so watered down these days. It's tough to kind of hear new stuff from your favorite artist unless you're specifically looking for it. Like when one of my favorite bands uh, releases something or puts something out there, I just go like, go ahead and pre-buy it or go ahead and set it for download when it's released, which is what I've done with the Sleep Theory EP if in, out of Memphis. Uh, but nevertheless, the Aerosmith song, Sedona Sunrise, number three. Number two... I know you country music guys are thinking, you know what? There's no way this song doesn't make the list. And you're absolutely right about this. It's George Strait. Oceanfront property in Arizona. There is none. But it's an amazing song from one of America's great performers. A guy that's true to country. You'll never hear George Strait use the phrase, girl. He won't do that. He's not going to get up on stage in bedazzled jeans and a tank top. He's not going to do that. Guy's a true balladeer, a true country troubadour. Happy to celebrate the music of George Strait on the show. You look at me sometimes, you think, there's no way Steve likes George Strait. You know, I don't ride around listening to George Strait very often. I have a tremendous amount of respect for George Strait. But number one, 
And this may some of you are thinking, well, what could it be? What could it be? Well, it's not technically about Arizona, but they mention Arizona in the lyrics, and uh, it is one of the greatest songs in American rock history. It's the Pet Shop Boys. No, it's not the Pet Shop Boys. It's the Eagles would Take It Easy. And I'm happy to say that on one of my trips to California, I stopped in Winslow, Arizona, and had my picture taken in front of that flatbed Ford. Yeah, that's right. Because I'm that dude. I'm a nerd. I'm a music nerd. And plus, I wanted to do it just so I could say I did it. An amazing song written by the, the great, incomparable Glenn Fry. So take it easy. And that's something we should all probably you know, learn to live with, right? Even me, when I think about all these uh, old Miss trolls on Twitter, the mute button is one of God's greatest gifts to every one of us. But uh, take it easy. An amazing track from an amazing band. And I think you could make the argument, you know, we talk about this sometimes like within the media, these young guys don't really have uh, as much to say, but it's usually me and Dave Murray and a few others. Hey, Dad, will pipe up, Robbie. You know, the argument always boils down to who is America's greatest rock band. There are a lot of people, you know, you could say, well, you know, there's this band and that band. I, it, at the end of the day, the discussion always boils down to Aerosmith or the Eagles. And I don't know that you can go wrong either way. I like Aerosmith a little bit more because it's a little rockier, right? It's a little more of an edge to it. And, of course, things changed a lot with the Eagles when Joe Walsh joined the band. It's true. But it's good to get them both on this list. And, again, it's, it's crazy. Only on the Boneyard are you going to get Public Enemy, Authority Zero, Aerosmith, George Strait, and the Eagles all in one list. Yeah. You didn't think Clutch and Bruce Springsteen were ever going to be mentioned together in the same sentence, but here we are. So to the people of Arizona – we look forward to you uh, coming and being our guest this week. And, uh, again, we'll have a top ten list again on Friday. And so probably that will be the wife doing Nirvana because you know I'm not a fan. And I don't know why that I take that so uh, personally. You know, I just don't like it. I don't like it. And uh, our friend Jennifer Barnett, who listens to the show, shared on Facebook yesterday that the, we talked about Mother Love Bone and Andrew Wood and Malfunction and those guys uh, some time ago. Of course, Andrew Wood, uh, born in Columbus, Mississippi. Yeah, little did you know that he would be uh, kind of the godfather of grunge music. But there is a documentary out there called Malfunction, the story of Andrew Wood. It's produced by Stone Gossard of Pearl Jam, who was a member of Mother Love Bone. I'm going to be watching that. I'm going to save it for Friday. And uh, so had Andrew Wood lived, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what the direction music would have taken in the, uh, in the Pacific Northwest. You know, because they were so far ahead of the game. Them and the Melvins in many respects. We're, we're really ahead of the game. But uh, all that said, Dana may do the top 10 to my list on Friday. And as I, when I first mentioned it on the show, my inbox lights up. They're like, oh, finally, finally. I'm just trying to find like a great compromise that I can broker, that I can give the people what they want without kind of getting my hands dirty, right? Because I know you guys want under vinyl list. I will tell you this, heart-shaped box is going to be there somewhere near the top. Uh, I don't like Nirvana, but of the songs, that's the one I probably like the most. And you say, but Steve, what about Smells Like Teen Spirit? Eh, I mean, it's, it's, it's an iconic song. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's because I was just so incredibly deep into the uh, 80s metal scene. You know, and it's funny looking back, calling all that stuff metal, because most of it wasn't hard. Like, we considered poison metal back then. Cinderella was metal back then. Not really a big poison fan either. 
It's amazing. That's the most listened to top 10 list we've ever had. So obviously, maybe I missed the boat. And that's going to be the case with Nirvana, too. I'm sure it'll be a very, very well-read and listened to list. And my wife will claim some sense of superiority because her list did better than some of mine. I, to be honest with you, I would rather give you a top 10 list of obscure 80s uh, uh, metal songs, maybe you don't know, than I would um, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just that's just me. But I'm going to give you what you want, and so hopefully we can get a Nirvana list up for you Friday. So just so you know, if, and if we don't, we'll do it Monday because she's going to be here through the weekend. So uh, we'll, get it ta- we'll get you taken care of, and I'm really kind of ready to remove that as a topic of conversation. Uh, but listen, follow Roy, my buddy Roy Samanti. I had a chance to see him and his daughter Elsa, of course, over the weekend. Um, follow him at Dogmatic67 on Twitter, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And you can find our great list on Spotify. Matter of fact, I saw Michael Richardson. Michael Richardson, you know, you know Mike from the Mississippi State Alumni Association. He subscribes to our Spotify list, and he follows the top ten list. And I have so many people. It's kind of a mixed bag. Sometimes I have people to say, hey, I'm not a music guy. Fast forward to the top ten list. Okay, I understand. My feelings aren't hurt. But I've had so many other people that said, man, I love a top ten list because I agree with you about most things, but I also learn so much. And uh, I've had people say, Steve, you ought to do a music podcast. Man, I don't have time. I mean, I can barely have time to do this one. It's one of the reasons I don't do the recovery podcast hardly at all anymore. I, just don't, I don't have time to do it. I wish I did. But now that I'm not writing another book and, and the opening a new business, that's going to be, you know, Something I don't have to be so quite hands-on with. I've got a little more time, but uh, no, we're not going to do a music podcast. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people in music. I know I could probably get some good guests. Uh, but that said, I just don't uh, I just don't have time for it. You know, maybe in the summer months, maybe I could, like, spend, like, a week or something and record, like, a month of shows or something and spread them out throughout the year. You know, I don't know. Uh, but I, I don't ever want to bite off more than I can chew. I'm a person that's spread thin. Uh, pretty regularly but I have so many people that say man I've gotten into so many bands or I've heard songs from bands that I love that I didn't know and so I feel like we're doing you guys a service so uh, thanks for your support in the top 10 and again thanks to Roy for always putting this together for all of you it was his idea I was doing a top 10 list and he's like hey what if we put these things together right what if we did these things wouldn't it be great and so we did and little did I know it would become such a big part of things. It was really just kind of filler content during COVID. And now here we are, you know, three and a half years later, still doing it and still coming up with good ideas, I think. But thanks, as always, for your support of the Top Ten List. All right, final segment of the show brought to you, as always, by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Campus Bookmart has always been there when you needed them. Neatly positioned on the backside of campus, you can swing through, pick up your new Mississippi State merch, Go park and go enjoy a great Bulldog sporting event. Very, very, very convenient. It's incredible. It really is. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Best selection of Mississippi State merch in the known universe, for sure. A lot of people make that claim. They back it up. Miss Kathy Brown, very competitive. She's going to make sure you have the newest and best stuff. I was assuming people, like, just yesterday, somebody's like, hey, Steve, where can I get an interlocking MSU flag, well, I would check Campus Bookmark first because if anybody's going to have it, 
it's going to be Campus Bookmart. CampusBookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right. So, again, Friday, we're going to preview the SEC. We're going to break down Arizona. I'll probably watch the game maybe one more time, see if we can't pick up on some things that maybe that you miss yourself if you don't watch the game. Or just, you know, I'll tell you this. <laughs> they do some very exotic things with the formation in the screen game. Like you look at them and they'll bunch up and you think, okay, there's going to be this. And next thing you know, they, they run like a wave of blockers out there. Before you know it, it's crazy. And, again, that kind of speaks to Jaden Delara's mobility. He's a guy that can give ground, but he's got the arm strength to deliver the pass. And uh, they're a really, really good screen team. They'll screen you to death if you're not careful. And for a team like us that likes to blitz a lot, you got to be careful. you got to measure it up because they catch in a blitz. They drop that screen on you. A lot less people out there to tackle. Uh, but, yeah, it's interesting. Again, I expect a very competitive game. They are an improved team over last year. And uh, I th- think I think is really good. I do. All right, so here are some things that I want to see Mississippi State clean up this week. Uh, not a real in-depth list, but there are some things that still kind of irritate me a little bit. I've gone back and watched the game again. And they always talk about, you know, but the biggest gain a team makes all year is between week one and week two. There's some truth to that. You know, you got a lot of guys getting their first college action last week, and so they're a little more prepared. Now they're in a routine. They've been through mock week. They've been through week one. All right, so now we kind of know what to expect schedule-wise. That's one of the things I love about football seasons, how regimented things are. All right, so I've asked everybody to listen, you know, uh, about these runs off the left side. And, then there, and, you know, Matt Brock and Zach Arnett both said, well, it's not true to the left side because we do some field stuff and we do some boundary stuff. And all that's great. All that's great. All I know is this, is that when southeastern Louisiana ran off left tackle, we had some problems. So no matter how we were lined up, no matter the field safety was on one side or the other, no matter how you want to slice it, we gave up the more sizable gains running off left tackle. Now, so I don't know if we need to make a personnel decision, we need to make a different call, a different alignment. I don't know. But this Arizona team has got much better running backs in southeastern Louisiana. That's no surprise. It's not a hot take. But you better believe if me, Mr. Novice, scribe can pick up on the fact that southeastern found some success off that left side they are going to do their best to exploit that and so uh, we're prepared obviously uh, that we we're well aware of what we saw on film but that's got to get cleaned up you know we were so worried here two years ago after south florida surrendered like a thousand yards to nc state and almost all of it was running left side behind their great left tackle and then those guys came in here and we shut that down. And you know, Zach Arnett is a cerebral guy. This guy understands tendencies and things of that nature. Uh, so we'll do some self-scouting and we'll shore that up. But that's one of the, probably the first thing I'm looking for is what are we going to do when they decide to run off left tackle? Okay. Uh, the next thing that I want to talk about is, uh, you know, get pressure on the quarterback. We were very vanilla last week with our, our schemes, and uh, we mixed some things up at times, but we, we did not run the full complement. And uh, as Zach Arnett has shared with me multiple times, there are some opponent-specific pressures that we put in each week. Now, with Delora, because he is so athletic, and he's not a guy that has to set his feet to heave. I mean, this is a guy – he's got a, a big, big arm. And so 
if he gets flushed, he's still able to, uh, with a flick of the wrist sometimes, make a sizable gain through the passing game. But we've got to be very measured in what we do. I think the best course of action is, you know, we've got to find a way to kind of set the pocket ourselves to kind of contain him in there, you know. And I don't know if that means we our alignment changes a little bit. Maybe we go with seven tech and we want to just kind of dip and rip and get up there and then bring, you know, the delayed linebacker blitz or whatever. I, I don't know how we want to do it schematically. But if we sit there and blitz up the middle over and over again, yes, it limits his reads as he has to roll to one side or another, but you give him the ability to extend plays and play a little backyard football, that could be a very dicey proposition. This kid is good enough to beat us. Everybody needs to understand that. I've read some of the predictions out there. I'm just telling you, this team with their offensive skill is good enough to score and beat Mississippi State. If we go out there and play haphazardly, Delora could have a big game. And he was a guy last year, there were a couple times he tried to do a little bit too much. I do think we got to him a little bit. And this, this is a hard-nosed competitor. I'm just kicking a really play. But you've got to be able to make him uncomfortable. And I think where he is the most comfortable is when he's outside and kind of has that run-pass option. When, and there were times last year it was wide open for him to run, but he was content to kind of just let the play develop and try to make the big play rather than sometimes just make the smart play. And um, – if you saw Arizona again later in the year, he was a little more willing to run than he was against us. And if you saw that 53-yard uh, zone read touchdown off the right side against UNA, you can see he is a little bit trimmer. He looks trimmer and faster, which those two things kind of go hand in hand, right? But we're got, how we attack Jaden Delora as a quarterback will kind of give us some preparation for what we're going to do with Jaden Daniels, uh, with Milrow at Alabama, and in some respects, Jackson Dart. I don't think Jackson could beat those guys in a foot race, but again, a very athletic quarterback. And so some things we do here will likely stay with us throughout the year, if that makes sense to you. And so learning now, you know, uh, how to kind of, eat up space and condense the space around that quarterback is going to be big. Because how many times last year, you go back and look at the games that we lost, right? Uh, with the exception of Will Levis in Kentucky, you know, the teams with the mobile quarterback are the ones that gave us some trouble. And again, Delara is more mobile this year than he was a year ago. And so we'll see how that develops. But how we attacked you – know, we had three sacks last week, and again, that was really – you know, really kind of playing base defense. Occasionally we'd bring some heat in there uh, just to kind of see how people were going to kind of try to block it or whatever. But we weren't blitz happy from whistle to whistle. I suspect we will be in some respects until us maybe you get into a third down situation and you want to, you know, kind of drop into coverage and maybe run rush three. But how we bring the fire with that front six against Delara will be – in many respects, maybe the story of the game. If you sit back there and let him just facilitate, he's going he's gonna to win. I'm just telling you. You've got to make him uncomfortable, get him off the spot, limit his reads a little bit. Uh, because, again, this kid, I don't think people fully appreciate how athletic he is and how big that arm is. Uh, let's see, a punt returns. Uh, a lot of that was schematic last weekend. You know, Southeastern was determined to kind of keep it away from, uh, you know, Jaden Wally. 
And uh, there were other times, too, that we probably could have stepped up and, and made a catch or jumped on the football and saved ourselves 10 in one situation, I think 15, 16 yards. Uh, but Xavion Thomas is expected to be back this week. He is full go. He could have gone last week, but I thought, you know what? We don't need him. Let's give him another week to heal. And he wants to be on the field terribly. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that there was no point wasting him against FCS and risking further injury. But uh, for those that are wondering, he just had a gash in his calf that was stitched up, and he came back a little bit too early. And so that's what it did. Well, it's not a joint issue or something that should linger the rest of the year. Uh, but the reality of it is, is we need him back there. In, incredible vision. And this is a guy, too, that, remember, you, he took the big one back against Georgia, uh, the national champions. You know, he had some big returns against Ole Miss as well. So, Xavion's kind of coming into his own. And I won't be surprised if, um, you know, we get the opportunity to uh, run a couple, uh, you know, back out of the end zone. I, I, you know, they obviously have, uh, you know, some guys that are capable of putting the ball in the end zone. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, with the thicker air out here, you know, the same level of energy, does that ball drop short of the goal line? Because you know as well as I do, if you're like me, as soon as Tulu gets his hands on it, it's almost like you want to stand up because you think something big's about to happen. But the punt return game, as great as we were at times offensively, especially from about the middle of the first quarter on, we could have been better because we'd had less real estate to eat up had we done a better job uh, returning those punts. But, of course, Xavion's back. And, again, nothing against Jaden at all, period. Punt distance for Mississippi State. We did not do a good job punting last week. And we only punted twice. And I believe, from memory serves me correct, our average was 37 and a half yards a punt. Games like this, there's going to be a battle of field position for a while. You need to be able to flip the field and give your defense, you know, the full 80, 90 yards to cover, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's tough to do that at 37 and a half yards a punt. Now, a lot of that, too, is, uh, you know, Crimmins, of course, first time kicking in the United States Played in a real college football game, right? Um, so there was some first game jitters. Talking to Eric Mealy yesterday off the record, he goes, man, he's a guy that can – we can let him loose, and he's a guy that can kick it 50-plus yards. You know, we'd like to be around 45. And that's one of the questions that I asked him. If, if you've read the uh, summary over at jeanspage.com or watch the video, that's specifically one of the things I asked him about. There are a lot of special teams coaches that don't want guys to kick it 55, 60 yards. You know, unless you're just absolutely backed up and you're just trying to, you know, flip a field and you'll just try to kick it over somebody's head. Maybe you got wind at your back or something like that because you don't want to outkick your coverage. But basically, the target point is 45 yards. That's ideally what you'd like is to punt it 45 yards and get about four seconds hang time and then be able to cover that. More times than not, if that's how the ball carries, you're going to be able to get there and negate a long return. And so that's kind of what we're looking at. So we'd like to be able to get over 40, like to be able to get closer to 45. And I suspect now that he has had the experience of kicking in a college game, uh, he'll be better for it this week. The first one, Mealy tells me he just hit it off his toe. He just mishit one, you know. Um, so, again, he's a freshman, right? Even though he's an older guy, he is still a freshman, experiencing all this for the very first time. He's a former Australian or his football guy, right? And so it's, it's a different dynamic. So we expect him to be better. Uh, this year. 
Down the field shots, we had some opportunities. And, uh, you know, again, Will's got to see those. But also, too, there are a couple times, you know, you see guys running loose there and on the backside or in the middle of the field, and Will is having to flush right so it's not really in his field of vision, right? And even with that, too, if you're rolling to the right sideline, throwing back across the middle is just a recipe for disaster. But we didn't take enough downfield shots. And I probably some of that uh, was just because of what the defense was giving us. Of course, we did hit Creed on that great play. We talked about that on Monday. Or so many people were like, there was a bust. No, it wasn't a bust. We created conflict in the secondary and uh, basically made the safety pick or choose which guy he was going to cover. He took the underneath guy. We went over the top. But I would like to see us, especially early in this ball game, to be able to come out while everybody's jacked up and everything else and really kind of punch them in the mouth. Um, and they do have some concerns at safety. Of course, we talked about, you know, Gunnar Maldonado will miss the first half of this ball game. To, to hear their people talk, they say he's a guy that's uh, not a great tackler, but he's starting for a reason, right? Uh, in addition to that, they've got a couple other guys, so we'll get a report on that. Uh, hopefully from Jason Shear before we get together on Friday, kind of what's going on with them. You know, I know Stukes, they're uh, – very talented star plays the star position is in concussion protocol so will he even make the trip i don't know i don't know if i was getting over a concussion getting on an airplane flying across the country oh it sounds brutal wish him the best absolutely do uh, but so we'll have a full update as best we can gather as we get into uh, friday but you know with three defensive starters somewhat questionable and one certainly out for a half you start thinking, okay, we need to get going earlier than we did last week. And I think the best way to do that, of course, is uh, when you've got the speed that we have at wide receiver, you've got to put yourself in some matchups that are advantageous where you get two lures, Avion, in a one-on-one situation, or Creed, for that matter. Um, and so you've got to be able to utilize that speed. And, again, that's a secondary that, by their own admission, they're having some issues with safety. On top of that, now you're missing – the starting safety. You've got to be able to exploit that. You have to be able to exploit that. I think interior running is going to be a real chore for us. You know, watching them, and I guess it's North, Northern Arizona. I get it. Uh, their offensive linemen, you know, look a lot like our walk-ons, right? But there is some real beef in the middle of this uh, Arizona defense. I mean, they have done a really good job working the portal. Did they get stars? I don't think so. But they got some really good players that appear to be an upgrade over some of the guys they had last year. Again, you go get a guy from UCLA, Michigan, and Georgia. Those kids are there for a reason, right? It's not like they went and pillaged the roster at Arizona Western. You know, they went out and got power five players. And, you know, and Jed Fish is a guy, obviously, with an NFL background that kind of knows what he's looking for. So I think the interior runs – and we didn't get a ton of interior runs. We didn't run a lot on the interior – we went and mostly kind of work the edges. And so I think you'll see a lot more of that uh, because the best way to make those uh, wide-body defensive tackles be a non-factor is you don't run right at them. You make them get out and chase you. You know, you make them run laterally. And then some things open up later in the ball game. You know, the number one way to wear people out is to make them chase you, right? <laughs> that's, that's playground football, right? I mean, you learn that as a kid. You run and run and run and run. And you make them chase you and you get them tired out and then you win, right? And so uh, Arizona's going to do a little bit of that too on offense, you know, because Delora gets the ball out on the perimeter so quickly and also to that, that quick release. And, again, it's, it's kind of freakish to be honest with you. When you see it yourself, you'll see. He has a big arm, but he holds the ball high mechanically. 
it just kind of fires off his hand really, really, really well. I think you're going to be excited when you see him play somebody else, to be honest with you. And I think you're going to look back again, too, especially if State's able to win this ball game and say, you know what, hey, that was a very important win for us. Not just because of the fact that, uh, hey, it makes you 2-0. and I think this Arizona team, again, again, I think it's going to be tough to get to a bowl game. But they obviously have the possibility and probability of upsetting somebody. And I'm sure in their minds they're thinking, hey, if we're going to be bowl eligible, we can beat these guys here. That certainly makes it that much easier, right? But I think you're going to look back at the end of the year. And Arizona is a team that I think is going to be a lot more competitive than maybe some people expected, whether they win a lot of games or not. With the offense that they have, they're going to be able to score on just about anybody, provided they stay healthy. So we'll see how that progresses. Again, full full preview of our of Arizona on uh, Friday. Now, a reminder too, uh, real quickly for those of you that keep up with such things. There, yeah, there's there's some fluctuation with some of the SEC lines. So we're going to run through that real quick here before we get out of here. Uh, Vandy and Wake. That's one you look at. It's been you know, pretty consistent, but uh, kind of a consensus. Minus 10 for Wake Forest. So they're expecting Wake to win by you know, a couple scores here. I, I tend to agree there, but uh, I don't think there are a lot of people that are going to be just uh, you know, all fired up for that ball game. Uh, the Ball State-Georgia thing, you know, a lot of times there's not these um, – it's tough to set a line on these games. 42, minus 42 for Georgia. That's a lot of points even against a MAC team. And, and Kirby doesn't have, like, the reputation of just blowing people out and embarrassing people. And he says, Steve, you remember when he did the NAFL championship game? Yes, I do. But I'm talking about these inferior opponents. It's one thing when you get your foot on the throat of a team when you're competing for a NAFL championship than when there's somebody that's there to get a check, right? But if you look historically, even like last year against Samford, they, they could have embarrassed Samford. They didn't do it. Uh, Georgia Tech, uh, excuse me, I, I, I jumped the gun here on that. We've, Georgia Tech is a, a no-line game against South Carolina State. It has nothing to do with us. Uh, there is not a lot of action with Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky. There are some early lines out there where Kentucky is uh, favored by 31 against the Colonels. Eastern Kentucky has played pretty good brand of baseball at times, but uh, they're not playing baseball this weekend. You know, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, one of the more intriguing games of the weekend, of course, A&M and Miami. The Aggies are road favorite. It's kind of fluctuated between four, four and a half. And I think that's really kind of a vote of confidence against Miami more so than for A&M. I just think A&M's got too much, uh, too much talent on defense. But if they lose this ball game, man, some, some narratives are going to be crushed. Uh, the Ole Miss line with Tulane, I know a lot of people, and I've tried to buy into this, I just can't. I just think Ole Miss is too good for Tulane. If Tulane can make this a game and keep it to the fourth quarter, anything could happen. Because, you know, Ole Miss was so bad last year in the fourth quarter. They kind of come out with that blitzkrieg type stuff in the first quarter, and they're running tempo, and it's all scripted out, and they just attack you, and then they just try to hold on. You know, so if they can make it a game to the fourth quarter, Tulane's got a chance. I just don't think they can. Ole Miss is only favored by seven. I think Ole Miss wins this game uh, with some room to spare. I think they'll cover without a lot of trepidation. Uh, Kent State and Arkansas, that'll be a bloodbath. Arkansas is favored by 38. 
I don't know if they even got to throw a pass. I mean, KJ had a big game last week uh, throwing the football. But uh, there is no line on Tennessee and Austin P. and nor should there be, right? It's, that's going to be an absolute, absolute bloodletting uh, in that ball game for sure. A little bit deeper down in our numbers here, Middle Tennessee and Missouri. Uh, 20 and a half is the spread. You know, Missouri didn't exactly set the woods on fire last week offensively against a very pedestrian South Dakota team. You know, and, and I'll be I'll give you a little preview. I picked Middle Tennessee State to cover. I got Missouri winning, but I got MTSU covering. We'll see. We'll see how it breaks up. Um, I'll tell you another game that kind of a regional game I think will be interesting is Memphis and Arkansas State. I know Memphis is favored by three touchdowns or more, but um, you know, we'll see. Arkansas State, what are they going to do up there? But I won't be surprised if that ends up being a ball game. Got nothing to do with us, but Alabama, a touchdown favorite over Texas. I don't think this game is going to be quite as competitive as people suggest. I, I don't. I, I don't. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Uh, the Arizona-Mississippi State line has the initial reports were, were not completely accurate, right? Um, and that's nobody's fault. I mean, you see them pop up and you, you tweet them out. But uh, the spread right now is nine for Mississippi State. Nine. And it's been one of those deals, too, where, like, I've seen it go. It was, like, double digits, and then it was, like, seven, then it was back to eight. And it looks like it's going to settle here unless there's a change tomorrow. But uh, minus nine. So, again, that's across the board. Pretty much people expecting us to win this ball game by a touchdown or more. Uh, no line on Florida and McNeese State, nor should there be. No line on LSU and Grambling State, nor should they be. Did you notice the first time ever that LSU and Grambling have played? Ever. Ever. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. It doesn't. Maybe you see it differently. Uh, our friends at Southern Miss are going to be in Tallahassee. They're also a 31-point road dog. After what you saw from Florida State on uh, Sunday, are you eager to watch that ball game? I don't know. You going to DVR it? Auburn and California. Auburn, a near-touchdown favorite on the road at Cal. Cal had a pretty good weekend last weekend, too. So, uh, Auburn and Hugh Freeze, obviously, I expect an offensive shootout here. But uh, that's kind of where, the, where the, uh, the crow flies right now. And so, again, on Friday, we'll, uh, we'll get a little more in-depth with our discussion about those games, and we'll make some formal picks. And, uh, again, we'll have a lot more to talk about. And uh, I've pretty much laid out the show for you on Friday. I think it'll be, be exciting. And, again, you know, you and I don't play in games. And uh, I've read, you know, a lot of people said, oh, well, you know, Mississippi State fans shouldn't look ahead. Guys, until we start calling plays and making plays – it doesn't matter what we do or think, you know. But the one thing we can do to help aid in the success of the uh, of our team is uh, be a part of the Bulldog Initiative. And uh, it was a big announcement earlier today. Over the course of the last few days, we've got donations and pledges that equal 1.3 million just in the last few days. So, and you have seen as of late that uh, the university has truly embraced the efforts of Charlie Winfield at the Bulldog Initiative. Um, Zach Arnett makes it a point to speak about it all the time. Zach Selman, of course, did a little video. Uh, you know, we did Rock Vegas last year. Just not going to be able to pull it off this year because it's got too much going on. I apologize. Um, and that's just a drop in the bucket in many respects. I mean, you know, we raised, what, $27,000. But uh, 
you know, now we're getting, you know, six and seven figure type deals. And so I encourage you, don't let it go to somebody else. And listen, I get it. We, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about NIL, but the Bulldog Initiative is an important part of the Mississippi State experience. And uh, I wish you would consider being a part of that, whether it's a one-time donation or perhaps a monthly uh, draft. You can just go to Bulldog Initiative. Just Google Bulldog Initiative, and everything you need to know is right there. Uh, I can tell you that these are equitable and ethical people, and the fact that your university uh, is partnering with them says a lot about their endorsement of Charlie Winfield's uh, efforts. There's a lot of people out there that they're doing a lot of things, saying a lot of things, uh, I can tell you from working directly with Charlie on a couple projects, I can, I can assure you, Charlie Winfield is doing everything he can legally to help Mississippi State be competitive. Somebody needed to take charge of this. You know, we had a couple of little uh, upstarts that didn't pan out. But this has been something that's obviously run by an attorney that understands the ramifications on multiple fronts. And so I haven't asked this for a while, but I hope that you'll consider donating to the Bulldog Initiative and being a part of this. And uh, you'll notice on their website, we're listed at jeanspage.com as a sponsor of the Bulldog Initiative, and that's, that's by design. You know, um, We are going to support Charlie Wenfield and the Bulldog Initiative. And some people say, Steve, I hate NIL. I do too, in its current format. I do. As we've discussed on the show before, what we have is not what they rolled out to us. You know, they told us, hey, you, you can buy their jersey and they'll get a few bucks or they can appear in a commercial and not jeopardize their eligibility. And we're like, okay, cool, that makes sense, right? Yeah, it's great. Let's forget good for the kids. That's not what we have now, though. So until they take some corrective action and put some, you know, some more stiff guardrails around this thing, we got to just kind of keep treading water, right? But the fact that your coaches are behind this and your people that you entrust so much of your – emotional energy into are telling you, hey, this if you want to help us, this is where we need help. And some things have been restructured. And uh, I encourage you to visit Bulldog Initiative. Uh, just pull it up and put it in your browser on Google and go check out. And uh, there's going to be some offerings soon where like you can like, buy some swag. And so there are a lot of people that like, that's one of the reasons we did Rock Vegas, right? There are some people you say, hey, you know, give me 50 bucks for Bulldog Initiative, and they're like, what? Well, so I tell you what, uh, I'll sell you a t-shirt and I'll eat the expense on it, right? I'll just buy the shirt and I'll sell it to you and then I'll give the money to Bulldog Initiative. Or we'll bring a rock concert to uh, to Starkville and uh, I won't make a dime off of it. Matter of fact, I'll lose money on it. <laughs> and uh, we'll take all the ticket sales and we'll give it to Bulldog Initiative. So you get to come see the show and then also support Bulldog Initiative. And that's kind of the way this thing works, too. There's going to be some swag, things that you can purchase that um, you get a little something for your contribution. And there are a lot of people out there that are like, you know, Steve, I'd love to be more involved, but I, I can't financially do it. You know, so instead of you going and buying another MSU shirt, you know, uh, maybe buy a Bulldog Initiative shirt and in turn you're helping the Bulldogs at a greater percentage, right? So... Once they do that, once we have a big release here in a few days, I'll share that information with you because we want to support Charlie Winfield and Bulldog Initiative and everything we do. Many of you want to support me, and I'm so incredibly pleased by that, and thank you so much for that. Uh, go to whenthebottomfalls.com. I'm told we're getting orders in every day, pre-orders. It is going to be October on a release date. Just so you guys know, I told you late September, early October, it's not going to be here early September unless something changes like in the next few days. But So we're preparing you now 
uh, for October. I apologize for that. It's kind of out of my hands. But uh, WhenTheBottomFalls.com, and, of course, that's, uh, you know, basically my memoirs, basically about uh, a life and of living in recovery for 32 years, kind of how I got there, what happened, and how I've been able to maintain sobriety ever since. But it's more than that, too. There's a love story involved. There's a lot of things, you know, just kind of about growing up in South Mississippi. And probably some things that some people in my family aren't going to like that I shared. And that's okay, too. Uh, they shouldn't have done them. <laughs> but the reality of it is it's not some tell-all book that uh, where I'm settling scores. It's basically me just kind of being honest about who I was and who I am today. But while you're there, you can pick up some sports books. You know, you can get Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and Dogpile. Every Bulldog fan needs Dogpile. Every single one. Whether you read or not, you need that book because someday there's going to be – Mississippi State won an NFL championship. Yep, here we go. There's a book all, all about it, right? Uh, it was incredible. And so be a part of that. And uh, if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. T-shirts, hoodies, everything. Um, I've made the joke, too, we may do thongs. There's no way we can get Stark Villains on a thong, right? Um, so don't look for those. I'm sure the people, I'm sure I could find some company that would probably find a way to do it, but we're not doing that. Not that we're anti-thong. We're very pro-thong. We're just not going to put a Stark Villains logo on it. Uh, but go by and check it out. And, and again, if you're not a member of our merry band of maroon misfits over at jeanspage.com, come be a part of that. The Mississippi State Affiliate for 247 Sports. Uh, come and join us and join in part of the discussion. Uh, we did 16 stories on Saturday. And I believe 10 on Sunday. So 26 stories about football kind of carry over from the weekend. So nobody's giving you better coverage of the Bulldogs than we are. You can say, but Steve, I just want to know what happened in the game. Okay, maybe a newspaper is for you. We write that story too. But we also give you a player feature on Will Rogers and Nathan Pickering and uh, Buki Watson and Creed Whitmore. Right, Whitmore, excuse me. Uh, so we're going to give you more in-depth coverage. If you just want the facts, then read the university release. If you want to know what happens – behind the scenes and get the players' comments of the big plays as they happened, then you need to be a member of jeanspage.com. We make a ton of stuff free, but a lot of stuff, too, is VIP, so you need to be a subscriber to be a part of all that. But listen, guys, love you guys so much. Reminder, too, if you are considering hurting yourself or others, dial 988 on your phone. It's a free call. Help is available. We want you on this side of the grass with us when Mississippi State wins its next NAFL championship, Right. And uh, there's enough hatred in the world. And uh, maybe if you're feeling that in your heart, perhaps we need to uh, take some corrective action, right? I don't want you to live that way, and you don't either. 988, it's a free call on your cell phone. That's going to do it for today. So until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.